Here at Lady Farmer, we talk about so many different aspects of slow and sustainable living, a subject matter that can at times feel confusing, overwhelming, even misleading. And that's why a few years ago, we set out to write a book that might be a guide for those seeking a life of beauty, simplicity, and sustainability. We're thrilled to be able to offer you our own small guide for cultivating slow living, sustainable simplicity close to home available in our online marketplace. In the book, we've woven an easy-to-digest narrative of stories, recipes, tips, resources, ideas, and reflection. This collection of essays and resources will guide you to think about your own relationship to the planet, what you eat, what you wear, and how you live a sustainable lifestyle. It also contains a 21-day slow-living challenge of daily thought exercises to lead you in the process. For you Good Dirt listeners, we are offering free shipping of this wonderful little book with the code THEGOODDIRT in our online marketplace. So use the code THEGOODDIRT, T-H-E-G-O-O-D-D-I-R-T, at checkout when you go to purchase your copy of The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living in our online marketplace for free shipping. That's The Good Dirt at The Lady Farmer online marketplace for free shipping on The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks, everybody. Hello, everyone. I want to know, how are you? How do you actually feel these days? After the bright and festive days of October with its blue skies and glorious foliage, pumpkin picking and trick-or-treating, we rather suddenly descend into a different vibe altogether. There are certainly many ways to describe this month, but the first that comes to me is that November is a mood. I think it's affecting me especially this year, as this is a season in our family, when we're witnessing the approaching end of the long and well-lived life of both of my parents. Their days are spent in a place somewhere between the daily struggle of living and waiting, but also full of tender remembrance and reflection, a place that is both sweet and painful for all of us. The seasons of our lives aren't necessarily marked out on a calendar. The springs and winters of our personal journeys aren't going to unfold along a straight and linear path. But cultivating a close connection to the cycles of nature and internalizing the metaphors she offers can be a comfort as we make our winding way. As for this time in our family, I can see this passage reflected in my surroundings. The time of growth has ended, but the last of the vibrant, bright leaves that still cling to the trees will linger until one by one, like all of us, they'll be caught by the wind and drift away. I think it's part of our task to see not only the beauty in it, but the hope. When we live close to the earth, we know that though life may be unseen for a while, it's there and we will see it again. And there's another factor contributing to the mood, one that is unique to November. It's the sudden decrease in daylight that has hit us most suddenly and fiercely as it does every year at this time. For most of us who've just made the switch from daylight savings to standard time, the gradual, incremental shortening of days that our ancient bodies are designed to assimilate 
is artificially accelerated by an entire hour, literally overnight. Some locations have opted out of this exercise, but it's still happening here in Maryland. And if you're like me, every year, the first evening when it's suddenly dark, at the same time I was out in the garden the evening before, comes as a shock to my whole system. And for several days afterwards, I find it affecting my sleep, my daily routine, and most certainly my state of mind. What do I mean when I say our ancient bodies? It's not a reference to our actual age, but rather a reminder that as humans, our bodies still function very much in the same way as our first Homo sapien ancestors. And while it could be said that we're always evolving and adjusting to the environment, those changes aren't happening nearly as fast as the changes going on in the world that we live in. Just think about it in this way for a moment. As a species that's remained relatively the same for 200,000 years in terms of our biology, we've been faced with many extreme adaptations that have been necessary for us to function not only in the last couple of centuries, but in our very own lifetimes. I'm not an anthropologist or any sort of expert on the topic. These are just things I find myself thinking about. And I have more to say about this, but since my ideas on this are probably even more relevant to December, I'll save some of this discussion until next month. But for this month, I'll say this, that while our ancient bodies are adapted to a very gradual decrease in sunlight during this season, we can appreciate how the sudden plunge into early darkness from one day to the next might knock us off for a few days. All this is to say that if this is you this week, give yourself some grace. Appreciate this amazing adaptability of our human bodies and do whatever you need to do to ease the transition. But there's another aspect of this seasonal shift that we can embrace as an opportunity for restoration. It's colder now. The beautiful leaves are well past their prime and quickly taking leave of their branches, slowly revealing the bare tree forms against a milky sky. In slow living through the seasons, we embrace the melancholy beauty of these days and let our bodies take a cue from nature as it moves towards a time of rest. Do you feel that pull in the early darkness? Do you have the impulse to curl up with a book and a blanket? to retreat with a cup of tea, to go to bed early for no other reason than it feels right? Of course, there are the dinner dishes and the kids and baths and homework and connecting with partners at the end of the day, but perhaps if we are intentional about it, we can find refuge somewhere in that hour of darkness that's been suddenly added to our evenings. The natural world is scaring down turning inward, seeking retreat. In the weeks to come, as the noise of commerce is meant to whip us into a frenzy of holiday preparation and purchasing, how can we sync ourselves more with the rhythm of the earth as opposed to the clamor of culture? As always, the way is through nature herself. Seek time outside. Direct contact with the natural environment is the antidote to the artificiality of the seasonal hype. Take time to source and prepare real food, even as the pace of these weeks intensifies. And as the darkness grows, honor your own need for rest and reflection. 
As unlikely or unattainable as this sounds for the next couple of months, just know that a little bit of intention goes a long way. Be aware and exercise your choice in not being carried away by cultural craziness. As for the garden, for me, this month is less about a list of tasks and more about what I'm not going to be doing. There once was a time when November was for cleaning up, raking, tidying, pulling up the spent annuals and clearing out the brush. I wanted to remove all the debris because it might contain harmful bacteria or pests, we were told, and create a clean slate for spring. But now I know better. What I was creating was a dead zone. Neat and tidy, but dead. By now you've heard the phrase. Leave the leaves. Yes, leave the leaves. And also leave all of those dried flower stalks and berries, the seed pods, the sticks and weeds. They not only provide a cover for the soil during the cold, fallow months, but also provide food for hungry wildlife and winter habitat for all kinds of bees, butterflies, beneficial insects, and other pollinators that will emerge in spring and give the garden new life for the next growing season. At first, the somewhat messy look of it might be bothersome, but to help you get past that, just try to remember why you're doing it. Be glad that you're now in the know and enjoy the leisure time that you'll be gaining by leaving things alone. So what about planting by the signs in the off season? Well, some of you in the more southern zones, such as 8, 9, or 10, and so forth, or those of you that have a greenhouse or a tunnel or even a cold frame, you might be able to keep these cool weather crops going all year round. These are things like leafy greens and beets, turnips, carrots, parsnips, cabbage, and the like. We have a stretch of good root crop planting days coming up later this week. The 9th, 10th, and 11th in Libra. Great for planting flower bulbs, by the way. And the 12th and 13th in Scorpio. After the new moon on the 13th. Your above-ground cool weather crops can go in on the 16th and 17th in Capricorn, the 20th through the 22nd in Pisces, and the 25th and 26th in Taurus. We have the full beaver moon in Gemini on the 27th this month. Name that because it was once the time of year for hunting beavers. It's also known as the frost moon. After that, there are two more good planting days this month, the 29th and 30th when the moon is waning in Cancer. If you haven't gotten your garlic in and your ground isn't frozen yet, these are two great days to do it. We're in zone seven here, and I don't grow cold weather crops myself because the CSA we belong to does such a great job of it, and I truly enjoy the months when I can just let the garden go. But the Planting by the Signs calendar offers guidance on other things besides gardening. For instance, canning, freezing, and drying, preserving foods is best done in the waning moon or the two weeks following a full moon. And it's also useful as a guide for baking. As a general rule, bake in the waxing moon in one of the fruitful signs, especially if it's something like bread that needs to rise. But if the rising isn't a big concern, then the moon phase is less important than the sign. For fancy cookies, cakes, or pastries that you want to look pretty, such as for a festive holiday meal, bake in Libra 
because Libra is associated with beauty, much in the same way that it's a good flower planting sign. The other good baking signs are Cancer, Scorpio, Pisces, Taurus, Capricorn, and surprisingly, Aries, which is not a fruitful sign. But my source informs me that it works, and so I pass it along. Remember, a summary blog for all of this information is linked in the show notes. And remember that if you join as a Good Dirt sponsor inside the Almanac, our online membership platform, you'll be able to download and print a Planting by the Signs calendar for every month. It's quick and easy to sign up by going to the link in the show notes. So this talk of baking takes us right into the seasonal kitchen. A timely topic here in these weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. This is probably when we're thinking about cooking and baking and recipes more than any other time of the year. I really appreciate that this is one aspect of the holiday season where commercialism seems to have less of an impact. Tradition has it that lots of people are doing their own cooking and making family recipes. And with food as the focus of this occasion, there's less purchasing of other stuff. No gifts, costumes, or elaborate paraphernalia. Decorations are minimal. Perhaps the pilgrim salt and pepper shakers from grandma, or the turkey placemats the kids made in school. But for most, it seems, Thanksgiving is about the food. And I, for one, appreciate that about this holiday. Most of us will have some of our own traditional dishes to prepare. Or maybe the entire meal is prescribed by precedent. My mother's Thanksgiving meal was the same every year, item by item. From the broccoli casserole and her cornmeal stuffing and the ocean spray cranberry sauce to the sweet potato souffle placed in orange rinds that were cut with pinking shears and topped with marshmallows broiled to golden brown perfection. And let me tell you that every one of those dishes was anticipated with delight and every bite cherished for its place in the tableau of the family holiday. God forbid that any one of those recipes was varied or changed in the slightest. The Thanksgiving recipe I'm sharing with you this month, however, is one from the family I married into 40 years ago. This Sally Lund bread is a favorite at Thanksgiving. It's a yeast bread very slightly sweet and eggy, something like a brioche, just right for a holiday meal. The family tradition is to bake it in a butt pan, so it's a lovely addition to the table as well. And because I'm celebrating a good year for my pear tree, I'm sharing another recipe that comes from our friend Kate Hill, the American chef who has lived in the Gascony region of France for the past 30 years. You can hear her story on The Good Dirt. Episode will be linked in the show notes, of course. And you might remember that I shared her tomato tart in August. Anyway, this recipe is a clafouti, or a French custard cake with fruit. You can make it with all different kinds of fruits. But the pears were so good this year, such a nice texture, and so juicy, that I wanted to do something a little special with them. All right. As we wrap it up for this month, I offer you a little bit of a challenge. This year, Thanksgiving is on November 23rd, which means there's an entire week before the 1st of December 
the next Friday. And I know that Black Friday and the weekend after Thanksgiving is prime time for kicking off holiday shopping and decorating. But what if, in the spirit of slow living through the seasons, we let November just be November and let that week just be a downtime before the December holidays? Christmas is an entire month after Thanksgiving this year, and Hanukkah is December 7th through 15th. Would we buy less and feel less frazzled if we gave ourselves that bit of a pause before jumping into it all? Would it seem more special and less drawn out if we just waited until December? I think a lot of people would respond to this by saying that they love the season so much that they welcome that extra week. So, what if we allowed the last week of December to be that extension of the cultural holiday period? The world of retail wants you to believe that it's all over come December 26th. But in terms of the actual holiday, according to the liturgical calendar, Christmas begins December 25th and lasts until January 6th, or the first day of Epiphany. Kwanzaa begins on December 26th and lasts until January 1st. The 12 days of Christmas that we so celebrate in the old carol is virtually ignored in the culture. But just for an experiment this year, try embracing these days as true holy days, as the word holiday reflects, instead of a time for going after discounted merchandise. These are things you have to think over and, of course, decide for yourselves. And it's certainly not for everyone, but it might be something to think about, to let fall have its time and let the December holidays have their time as well. We'll talk about this more next month. I will close with this, circling back to November as a mood. In this poem by Robert Frost, he speaks of sorrow as a companion in the season, and to me, It seems that he's talking about how November evokes both sadness and beauty at the same time, and how his companion helps him embrace all of it. So here it is, My November Guest by Robert Frost. My sorrow, when she's here with me, thinks these dark days of autumn rain are beautiful as days can be. She loves the bear, the withered tree, She walks the sodden pasture lane. Her pleasure will not let me stay. She talks, and I am fain to list. She's glad the birds are gone away. She's glad her simple worsted gray is silver now with clinging mist. The desolate, deserted trees, the faded earth, the heavy sky, the beauties she so truly sees. She thinks I have no eye for these and vexes me for reason why. Not yesterday I learned to know the love of bare November days before the coming of the snow, but it were vain to tell her so, and they are better for her praise. Thanks for listening, everyone. Feel free to reach out. All the links are in the show notes, and I will be back in December. December.